My name is Mark Madison, and I am so very proud to have Fujitsu General America as a sponsor. At Fujitsu, they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each Fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user. Steve Miles is president of Jerry Kelly Heating and Air Conditioning, a nationally recognized residential contractor of the year by Contracting Business Magazine. They're a Missouri contractor and a mainstay with a reputation for excellence in service, products, and value since 1977. Their focus is on customer satisfaction in everything that they do, and they stand behind their work. They voted Best HVAC Contractor in their county for 23 years. Well, good morning. This is Mark Madison. Welcome to On Books and People. Our special guest this morning, Mr. Steve Miles from St. Charles, Missouri. Steve, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Mark? <laughs> oh, I told you earlier if I was doing any better, I'd be twins. I'm just grateful to be on this side of the grass. So when did we meet? I was trying to remember. Uh, it was Excellence Alliance in Cincinnati. Goodness, 96? 798, something like that. Wow. Uh, yeah, and you know, you're right. It was way back then, 20 plus years ago. And I remember too, we were both on the board for contracting business for a while. So we kept kind of running into each other at different events. And uh, man, I, I was just always impressed. I was impressed with your presence, but I was also impressed with your deep baritone, kind of very white voice. Oh, you like the pipes, huh? <laughs> Where did that come from? Was that was that just a gift from God? I suppose, uh, yeah. Just uh, always, uh, always had that deep voice. I shock myself sometimes when I hear it because it sounds different on my end. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? The first time you hear yourself on, uh, the first time I heard myself on a recording, I think I was eleven or twelve. I sounded like my sister, and I remember thinking, "Okay, I got to change that." <laughs> so I'm going to dig into your your history a little bit. Tell us who uh, Jerry and Janet Kelly are. Jerry Kelly and Janet Kelly are my mother and father-in-law. Uh, I married their only daughter 26 years ago and met her, oh gosh, I guess 30-ish years ago. Wow. 26 years. I will tell you the 27th year is the worst. If you can get past that, it's all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what happened good. what happened in 1977 oh 1977 my father-in-law and mother-in-law were working for a local contractor named Ted Schechter and uh, he passed away leaving 51% uh, of the business to my mother and father-in-law and 49% of the business to his ex or to his wife his widow uh, she didn't like that, so she sued. She won. She got 51%. She fired my father-in-law and mother-in-law. And like, so within a day or two, all the other employees quit, went to him and said, you got to start a business. And they started their own business. Wow. And back then it was disco. Now it's Costco. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> wow, you're really showing your age now. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm no spring chicken. I'm sure you got a white polyester suit hiding in the closet someplace. You know, I never went down that path. I had the shiny disco shirt and the gold chain, but you know, that's okay. another story for another time. Uh, 
So you're in little old St. Charles, Missouri. Now, back in 2006, something magical happened at your place. What happened? I guess you're referring to we became Contracting Business Magazine's Contractor of the Year. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but my goodness, it was. Wow, 14 years ago. And uh, what, what did that really say about who you guys were? I mean, they don't just hand that thing out to anybody. You had to earn it. Uh, I think what it said is that we were willing to learn, willing to uh, enact best practices, and willing to run our family contracting business like a business instead of a technician. Because that's what, all we ever strive to do is participate in indie, industry organizations uh, and learn as much as we could. Because quite honestly, none of us, well, my wife has a formal education, but my in-laws, myself, I, I don't have advanced degrees. So most of the stuff I've had to teach myself and one of the best places we were able to learn it was participating in industry events where we were able to meet the uh, writers and the editors for these industry magazines and interact with them. And I'm sure that gave us a leg up also. You started as an electrician, a lowly, humble electrician. Yes, sir. I was busting bungalows, as they called it, running Romex in houses for uh, five or ten years. Yes, I was. And how does a guy start out as an electrician and become the owner of one of the most successful service companies in the country? How do you explain that? I don't know. If you meet him, would you let me know? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, I married up. I mean, I fell in love with a beautiful girl whose parents owned a business, and they were crazy enough to let me try some of the ideas I learned going to the industry events. They trusted you. Yeah, evidently. And I appreciate it. And I, you know, they trusted me. I trust them. We, we've always had a very open and good relationship. What was the turning point? Do you, can, you, can you look back and say, at that point, this is where we really made the turn and kind of took off? Uh, I would have to trace it back to right around when we met, uh, 98-ish, when they, the first round of consolidators came to ACCA. Yes. And they're up there threatening, you know, the small guys will be there and the big guys will be there, but you guys in the middle, we're going to get you. We're going to eat your lunch. We're going to go. You're our target. And I think it, uh, it got a lot of people's attention. And that's, that was the actual, I guess, the genesis of the original Excellence Alliance and then now you got service roundtable and so many contractors organizations where the contractors decided they better band together and get some best practices. I'd have to say that's when uh, we made the change because my uh, mother and father-in-law were talking to, I guess, what was it at the time? Service experts. Yes. And I, was, I was in a peer group through ACCA and I was going involved in the meetings as part of the family with uh, service experts and all the thing they all the things they said they'd bring to the table were things my uh, peer group said we needed. Mm. So I just convinced them to instead of selling the company for whatever it might be worth, why don't you let me try and implement these things, make our company bigger, better, more profitable, and we'll own all of it. So that's kind of the route we took. You've never been afraid of trying something new, learning something new, or stretching your comfort zones. Yeah, some people might call that learning the hard way. Yeah, I've got some bumps and scrapes. Right. But at some point along the way, you determined that there were four or five things that you really needed to master. I think you called them the five key factors. Can you explain those? I know I'm asking you to go back a ways. 
Oh man, you, you are. I, I'm actually even drawing a blank because everything evolves so quickly in the way I approach business and stuff. That something I may have done as little as a year ago is ancient history because we we do evolve here quickly. So refresh uh, my memory, and I'll be happy to share it. Sure, it was revenue per hour, customer satisfaction, callbacks, equipment sales, and service agreements. Okay, yeah, and those are the basic uh, things you need to keep your eye on. I mean, the customer satisfaction, we ended up going uh, with a net promoter score type, where I think it's three questions. Were you happy today? Would you recommend us? And uh, you know, something else, something to keep it really simple. And you either got a, uh, I think it was one to 10 rating. And but it, So we started going with the net promoter score. Uh, and things evolved so quickly, because right now, honestly, I, I just, I'm in the middle of listening to a book called The Road Less Stupid. And what he, uh, <laughs> Uh, what's his name? Maybe come to me in a second. But uh, anyway, what he says is over his life, he looks at every time he's paid the stupid tax and he's going to try and share with people how not to pay the stupid tax. So uh, one of the things is uh, Keith Cunningham is his name. One of the things he says is in business, we develop processes for things that we think are problems. But what we're really doing is we're developing processes to handle symptoms. We're not digging down to the underlying problem. An example is, you come in, what's your problem? Oh, we don't have enough sales. Oh, okay, well, we better get more sales. So you develop a process to get more sales without understanding the underlying reason of why don't we have sales. Mm. Just addressing that and then the underlying reason for that and actually getting to the root cause. So that's my focus the last few weeks has really been on in our company what are the problems that are really symptoms? And if they're symptoms, what are they symptoms of? It's been an interesting exercise. Yeah, so it might be that we got the wrong, we have, might have the right guy on the bus, but he's on the wrong seat. Right, and you still need to track your revenue on your service department, your, your productivity, your uh, revenue and your installs, your, your service agreements, all that stuff, those metrics are still there. But for my personal focus, exactly. Our mutual friend, Ron Smith, says the road to wealth is paved with service agreements. How many of those do you have now? Uh, right around 3,700, which are two visit agreements. So right. Not quite as many as Jackie Rainwater might have uh, recommended back in the day, but it keeps us busy. Sure. And your close ratio on that on replacements is higher because you're already in the house and you have the relationship. Yeah, it, it, that's the upside. The downside is it's maintained equipment so it lasts longer. Right. I think the good with the bad. Yeah, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a revenue provider. It's peace of mind. It's a no furlough policy for your technicians. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of the, the benefits. But in a down economy, right, uh, add-on replacements go down, but repairs go up. And as long as you have that service agreement, when that flip-flops and the economy turns and add-on replacements go up and repairs go down, the one constant is the service agreement. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you mentioned that, that dynamic because uh, uh, we haven't experienced it that much. I mean, I, I, business as a whole has gone down a little perhaps because of the crisis and uh, the layoffs, although being in Missouri, we're a little more open uh, restriction-wise than some other states. But honestly, the the people are spending the money. We're, we aren't truly seeing an in, 
uh, an increase in repairs. We're actually seeing since more people are staying at home, people wanting to uh, get it replaced. But uh, yeah, service agreements are an essential part of that. If you don't have service agreements, you'll most likely cease to exist as a company if you have any type of shoulder season at all. Yeah, that's really true. So service agreements are important. How important for you are private labels? Oh, uh, Mark, you know, I always say private labeling your own brand is a six inch problem and it's a six inches between your ears. Uh, and it's, it, it is, it, it's an, it's an attitude and neither one is right or wrong. You just have to have it. It's, uh, I, our company has been fortunate enough that my father-in-law, Jerry Kelly is the stereotypical hot headed Irishman. And if he gets upset with you over any reason, he'll probably have words with you and then he's going to look for an alternative. Well, we, in the first, well, let's go, we're in business 47 years. I think we've done business with every manufacturer out there in those 47 years, selling their equipment for as little as a week to as long as, you know, whatever, 12, 15 years. So our success was never hinged or hitched to a particular brand, label, logo, marketing campaign. Right. I understand there's businesses that out there that started the day after Willis Carrier invented conditioned air and they've had a blue oval ever since. And that psychological bond to that oval and their business is one of the hardest things in the world to overcome. And I understand it. I've never had that issue. So we market ourselves. We've grown with our private label brand. We don't even offer an alternative. And uh, yeah, it's a psychology thing. And it, it just because we know it doesn't matter. Any piece of equipment from any manufacturer installed properly will satisfy the customer. Any piece of equipment improperly installed, improper airflow, unbalanced refrigerant charge, not a good vacuum, leaky system, the customer will never like it. It's all about the install. What I was impressed with on my last visit to your company was how well you leverage your brand. Everything is green. Uh, your trucks have giant letters. Would you explain that? Oh, goodness. I wish this was video I could share. Oh, yeah, but green is so yesterday, man. We're purple and green now. It, ah, see? Since my mother-in-law has been suffering with Alzheimer's for the last 15 years, we chose the walk to end Alzheimer's as our charity of choice, and their color is purple. So now we've kind of got these big Barney-looking trucks going around, but they're actually pretty eye-catching. But it's all about, yeah, it's all about getting the brand out there, doing things that are simple, high contrast, and memorable. And you're, you've wrapped your trucks so they, they really stand out on the road. Yeah, we've got pretty much the same lettering on uh, front, back, sides, and believe it or not, the roof, because try it sometimes. Stand looking out a bedroom window in a two-story house at somebody in the driveway and tell me if you don't see the roof of their vehicle. We're right. We're good marketing space. It's an ad opportunity that a lot of contractors miss. Yeah, it's all about top of mind awareness. I'm sorry, in our industry, any kind of true service industry, unless you have the service agreement base where you're doing routine maintenance, you're a need-based business. Therefore, all you want to be is the one they remember when they need you. They go to the Google and five names pop up. Yours is one of them. They saw it yesterday. Boom. They're yours. Sticky. It's all about how many eyeballs, right? Absolutely. I eyeballs and uh, repetition. Yes. Repetition, right, so, uh, emotion, and time. Impressions. 
and you do little things like notepads and pens and you know the usual stuff but i think you do it in a way that's unique because it's all it's it's all aligned it's all kind of the you know it it, it catches your eye and it's cons it's a consistent message it's a consistent color yeah it's consistent and uh what technology has allowed us to do in addition is we track phone numbers so every item we give out whether it's a shopping list uh, with, what did we do? We did, I think it was 26 shopping lists, figuring they go once a week. That way, every six months in the last sheet said time to get your unit serviced. But uh, yeah, shopping lists, all that, everything, ballpoint pens, jar openers, chip clips, uh, shopping bags, whatever we do, everything's got a unique phone number on it. With today's technology, we're able to trace back where they originally found our phone number. How are you and, leveraging social media? Uh, it's a it's a new frontier. We're uh, experimenting. We're on all the platforms. Uh, we're using professional help through some of the industry organizations, and uh, yeah, we're just uh, trying to feel our way through it. Much like uh, I guess people felt about radio in the '30s and TV in the '60s. It's a brand new frontier. We got to kind of feel our way through it. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's kind of like we're all writing a. Uh, the music's playing and we're all trying to hit, write a hit song, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, who are your mentors? I know you're a sponge and you're, you're a, you're learning machine personally. Who are the guys that had a big impact on you? mentioned Jackie. Who else? Oh gosh. Ron Smith, Larry Taylor, Matt Michelle, yourself. Uh, going old school, some Napoleon Hill. I really enjoy reading his, reading and listening to his teachings. And then, uh, honestly, my mentors now, members of my AB group. I like meeting people fresh to the industry that are having an impact and are being successful, and, and picking their brains now. Kind of reverse reverse psychology. You never stop learning, do you? You mentioned the audio book you were listening to how long you've been doing that i call that windshield university how long have you be belonged to that fine institution oh my goodness uh, actually there again i'll give you credit you got me going to it when you gave me uh, a audio recording of your first book read by the author and then i, I like that guy that yeah. with my kids on drives and uh that i mean really one of my greatest honors is my daughter just gave me a birthday present which i shared a little bit of it with you but the thing she met remembers and one of them is a quote from you that I used to say, I didn't say it every night when they went to bed, but almost every night where you're going to do, you're going to be more successful than me in education, athletics, and business than I ever was. Your future's so bright, it hurts my eyes. <laughs> and I tried to use that. I, I say, well, honestly, it wasn't every night, but I, every time I remembered it two or three times a week when they were saying prayers at night, I would say that. And that was one of the things she one of her favorite memories from growing up. So I, you know, that that's when it began back in the uh, mid nineties, mid to late nineties. And I haven't stopped since a couple Is of easy, a... easy listens are like the, uh, the richest man in Babylon. It's, it's an old one. It's a classic, but it's an easy listening. And it's got a lot of lessons to it. More like a parable. Yeah. That's a great book. Save 10% of all you earn is yours to keep. That's right. Yeah. I, so you know, and the thing is, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? I mean, your kids, how old are your kids now? 
Uh, my daughter is 22, just graduated Baylor last year and starting a job in Dallas. And my son is 19, a sophomore at Miami of Ohio in Oxford, Ohio. Wow. And so the nest is empty. Pretty much. Uh, not as empty as you would imagine with COVID. Uh, the son will be back in, for Thanksgiving. I think his, his year's over till February, so he'll be home for a few months. But, and last year it was... There was no empty after spring break. They were home all summer. So it was great. It was like bonus time. Right. Hey, you know, people say, oh, my kid moved back in, into the house. I loved it when my kids did that because, you know, my, my boys played basketball overseas. And when they, in the off season, they come home and they'd stay with us for a couple of months. I loved it. You know, uh, I welcome that opportunity. But, you know, that not everybody shares that sentiment, but I know you do. Oh, <laughs> You you wrote a you wrote a little booklet years ago called Your Guide to Indoor Indoor Comfort. Are you planning to write something else, or have you? I know you've been on me about this. I I have been saving notes, and I've also been recording all my talks and speeches and company meetings just to get material to transcribe and do that. I'm going to keep poking you in the eye with a sharp stick until that happens. I know you will. <laughs> well, you know, when I, when I, I literally poked Ron Smith in the chest, I don't know how many years ago at, at Comfort Tech one year. And I said, when are you going to write a book? And he said, stop poking me. <laughs> I said, I'm just asking, you know, well, last time I talked to him, he'd sold 400,000 copies. Right. So it's like, okay, so now I'm poking you, buddy. Now I'm poking you. Con Quit consider, poking. consider yourself poked. Oh, uh, yes, sir. So, so where's the company now? How many millions of dollars are you doing a year? If you don't mind me asking. Actually, the COVID slowed us down a little bit. We're on pace to match last year, which should be about a little less than 12 million. Uh, we probably got our best crew we've ever had. And uh, we're poised. I've got a couple ideas I'm working on as, as far as, like I was talking, let's get to the, let's get to the root problem, not, the symptoms and address that. So we're, as a management team, we're working strongly on that and trying to come up with a bigger, better, faster model using technology and the best people. And so how many years ago did you move into the new building, which by the way, is a great location. So right off the freeway, right? Yeah, we've been in this location three years and I didn't think it would hurt us, but if you make a big move like we did, the whole company moving 15, 20 miles, it's a major disruptor to business. I put my head in the sand and said it wouldn't be, but eh, hindsight being 2020 and warning everybody in the future, it's a major disruption. What advice would you offer contractors? If you could tell them three things, what would you tell them? Uh, math is hard, but you need to know your numbers. If you don't know your cost of producing goods, what your true cost of overhead is, and how to make a profit, you're robbing from yourself and your family. What's number two? Number two, invest time in your family. The business is business, but carve out dedicated time for your family. Because when it's all over, 100 years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is your kids and their kids. So balance. Very much so. And balanced heavily towards family. That's one thing Jill and I, we ran the business, but we never missed a play. We never missed a vacation. And we usually took yeah. ours at the spring break because that's when business was slow and they were off school, but we always went on it. So, yeah. 
Ellen, as you know, I do like 70 talks a year around the globe. And, but one of the great things, one of the great decisions I made early on was I was going to be home for three weeks in July and three weeks in December. And I still do that. Uh, and, and I was around the kids' schedule so that I could be home when they were home from school. Exactly. Well, and what's number three? Oh, goodness. Uh, treat everybody with respect from the guy that's uh, sweeping the floor to the person that's running the country. It really doesn't matter. You just, just treat everybody as a human and with respect and they'll all do just fine. Because everybody says millennials and now Gen Z or whatever this next one is. They're, oh, they're so different. Nah, they're not. They're people. They like to be respected. They have different ways of doing things, but in general, if you treat them with respect, you'll get it back. Yeah. Three things, appreciation, respect, and understanding. You give that to everybody, and it doesn't matter how old they are. We all respond the same. Absolutely. Are you still flying your plane? No, actually, I sold the plane. Uh, I got my instrument rating, and then just maintaining the instrument rating was more work than fun in different season of my life. So we sold the plane, and uh, I'm doing a lot of golf and spending time with Jill. Golf? What kind of handicap do you have? I'm a 19. I'm still a hacker, but I won't slow many people down. Does Jill golf? I wish she did, but no, she's too frustrated. She, if she doesn't hit it well, she gets angry, and that just isn't conducive to a good day of golf. Well, there's a book called Golf's Not a Game of Perfect. Have you read that? No, I need to. He's a sports psychologist out of the University of Virginia. Uh, I met Kevin Costner years ago, 22 years ago to be exact. And I asked him if he'd read that, and he said no. And I said, well, it's, uh, it's one of those books that will take, you know, three or four uh, points off your handicap. So he talks Good. about visualization and goal setting, and it, the, the guy's a genius. He's a brilliant guy. And he's, he's one of the top golf consultants in the world. So you yeah, could do worse than to read that. Uh, golf's not a game of perfect. I forget the author's name. He's a professor at the University of Virginia. It's a dandy. You know, I mean, that title could go with anything. Business is not a game of perfect. Yeah. Awesome. I like exactly. that. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. So what, what's in store for the next five years for Steve? Oh, gosh. Hopefully a lot of learning. I mean, that's, we're continuously learning. And I'll tell you what, man, this may sound a little counterintuitive, but I hope we have a lot of failure. Hmm. You don't ever learn anything when you're winning. How do you learn something new if you did it right the first time? Right. And we're doing, I mean, uh, COVID, this whole, we're, we're entering some new areas with duck cleaning and duck sanitization that we never really went before. So it's a learning process and uh, trial and error. So yeah, it, it's fun. And then we're just uh, running the business and trying to maximize the output from your production. It's, uh, it's a game. It's a fun game. That's why I enjoy it. It is a game, isn't it? And it is fun. It's fun if you believe it is. Exactly. Well, you've always been a learning machine. I've always admired that about you. Uh, what else do you think we should know? And I, let me just say, too, I'm so grateful that you carved out the time because I know you're a busy guy to, to be a guest on this podcast this morning. But uh, what else would you offer? What, a, what bits of parting advice? Second, but let me say uh, I'm honored and I grateful that you asked me to be on it, Mark. I, we go back over two decades, man. That's a long time. I'm not even 60 yet, so that's like a third of my life. Oh, dude. I think when we met, I was skinny and I had hair. 
You had some. I remember that. But one of your <laughs> one of your big props was uh, I forget was it a nose or an ear or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah uh, not- the, the one thing is just uh, invest in the next generation. That you will be old faster than you realize. So the important part is getting the people that can do what you do better than you do up to speed as quickly as possible. So that's what I would share with you. Well, and what I, because I'm a couple of laps ahead of you on the track, I will share something with you, my friend. When Amanda's your daughter, right? Yes. When she gets married and has that first child and they hand you that baby, you'll become a blubbering fool. You'll, you'll be holding that little creature and you'll just start crying and you'll say, this is the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me. And so a wonderful chapter in your life awaits you just right around the corner. I look for it with anticipation, although I don't want it to be here quicker than it should be. <laughs> I think, you know, just all things in time. Right? Take care time. of yourself and you'll, you know, keep eating right and exercising because I know you do those things. Now, yeah, one last thing. So there was a point, you, I don't know how many years ago it was, four or five, but you lost a, a chunk of weight, right? Yes, much like you, I took a couple notches out of my belt or added a few holes. But yeah, I, I, I was forced to. I've got a very bad back, so uh, any excess weight around the midsection just makes my uh, hard to walk and stuff. So yeah, I've, I've cut it off, and then I uh, do a lot of core exercises, keep the abs toned, and knock on wood, so far, so good. Get out. Get out now. Get to the chopper. Run. Right? You've got you to gotta keep working out. It's a... It's a I'll tell you what, it sucks, but the alternative sucks worse. And you know what? You know, everybody says getting old isn't for wussies, but it's better than the alternative. Boy, isn't that the truth? Yeah, you know, I fall on the floor and do some push-ups. And during COVID, I probably packed on about 10 pounds. But uh, I'm really glad to be able to go back to the gym now. So, uh, and I'm mindful of what I eat. My wife's the one that really, uh, she's become the rock in my shoe. She lost like 40 pounds. And Wow. And, uh, I know she joined Weight Watchers and now she says, uh, I, I called her from Vegas a year ago or so. And I said, you know, I just had the most delicious, <laughs> you know, bagel and, and, uh, uh, and I was explaining everything. She goes, do you know how many points that is? I said, I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to go to the gym later. You know, it's like, like, I don't deny myself everything. I'm pretty mindful about what I eat, but no donuts, no cookies, you know, just mostly fruit and vegetables, that kind of thing. Uh, well, a wise person once told me, as far as calories are concerned, you will never outrun your mouth. <laughs> well, I made the mistake of telling her that I tried Nutella, and she goes, what? Do you know how many points that is? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> it's delicious. I don't care. Uh, oh, my friend, thank you so much for making the time. And uh, do you have any questions for me? Well, you just made an interesting point. I mean, a way interesting point. Weight Watchers has boiled down eating to a simple metric, points. Why can't we do that to our business? Just something to think about. Right? Some points. Well, my youngest son, Evan, as you know, 6'11 and 275, he's a bodybuilder. And one day he said to me, Dad, no food tastes as good as skinny feels. It's 80% nutrition, 20% working out. Oh, that's, I, that's a fact. That's a fact. I mean, I see these guys work out and they never lose an ounce at the gym. And it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, and they can't understand it. Yeah. Well, they, 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 I think they rationalize that they're working out so they can eat like they want to, which is right. No, no good. Yeah. Big mistake. 
Well, my friend, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, thank you. Do me a favor. Yeah. Make it a great day unless you have other plans. I will. I will. And I'll be sure to share that philosophy with somebody else today just for you. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.